What is innovation and what is innovation management? It's not only about new innovations, but it's also about innovators. Saying I'm innovative doesn't mean I'm actually doing the innovation. Innovation for me is more on the mindset. Welcome to People Tech and Other Weirdness, the not so serious soft serve podcast. Here we collect stories from our people about their roles and rules, game changing decisions, wins, walls, and falls. You'll hear about technologies from those who create them. Let's see who we have on today. Hi, Ron. My name is Taras Holopkin. Welcome to this episode of People Tech and Other Weirdness. And today we are exploring the topic of engaging employees in innovation scale. Short about myself, I'm 10 years of software, expert innovation management, helping companies succeed in their innovation journey, co-ideator and general manager of software innovation platform, assess product to solve innovation management challenges. Today, my guest from London, Milan Lakani, head of strategy and business development and business innovation center at Konica Minolta, at least for seven last years. He's going to share a couple of words about himself. Hi, Milan. Hello, Taras. Uh, good afternoon from, uh, uh, yeah, sunny London, actually. Semi-sunny London, I would say. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me and for having me uh, for this uh, very exciting podcast today. Cool. Thank you for joining. Okay, innovation is trendy buzzword today. So maybe before we deep dive into the topic, we can recall in overall, what is innovation and what is innovation management? Because I know if you ask different leaders in different companies, they may respond with completely different answer. So I ask, I know, I mean, what you what would you comment, Milan? Yep. So, yeah, interesting question, Taras. <laughs> Thank you for asking me this. Uh, I know innovation is a nebulous word. And everywhere you look, we, we see or I see the word innovation on company values. We are mm. innovative. Mm. But it's like uh, you know, peeling the onion. You go to first layer, second layer, third layer. By the time you get to layer four or five, there isn't much substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my view, I would say that uh, actually in, in the corporation, innovation is around the creation of new value. So you can have lots of ideas. As long as they serve a purpose and resolve a pain point or pain points that create value internally or for a customer. Yeah, fair enough. Like innovation is actually key to the companies to be more competitive with the market. And Absolutely. actually saying I'm innovative doesn't mean I'm actually doing the innovation, right? So that's whole stuff about that. Yeah, absolutely. So and if deep dive to our topic, so let's start from maybe one of the key questions. Um, so how to engage more employees to innovate within the company at scale? I mean, from your experience, why it's needed actually to engage employees where maybe you can just run your innovation by yourself and that that's okay. So it's, it's a, another interesting question when I think about uh, engaging more employees within a company. Uh, in, in my experience, what I've seen is that the label of innovation may be happening in different departments, but actually may not be called innovation as such. So for example, there are departments that focus on continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. Or there might be an iterative processes of uh, looking at new products and services, but may not be necessarily called innovation. Mm-hmm. But so when we think about incremental innovation rather than disruptive innovation, it tends to happen in companies, but may not always be recognized. And, and when I think about your, your question about engaging more employees within the company, there's also a, a fine line when I, in the past and, and currently as well, when I'm looking at how do we engage more employees? Firstly, it's actually, we, we need to, 
we need to take a step back to understand where do we as an organization, as a company, as a corporation want to go? What is the strategy? What is the company focus? Where are we now? And where do we want to be in the next five years or 10 years? And so, for example, here, Konica Minolta, you know, we, we are a company of almost 150 years mm-hmm. and a, a traditional Japanese-centric business, which has evolved globally and famous. Uh, many people may know us uh, as a brand uh, recognition of uh, cameras, so selling cameras, which incidentally we don't uh, anymore for, uh, for quite a number of years. And I mean, physical cameras. And of course, the second uh, brand recognition is around office services, but we do a lot more. So part of this engagement process would be, where are we now and where do we want to shift in terms of our strategy? And then looking at bridging the two gaps together, meaning what do we need to develop and innovate upon to go from where we are to where we would like to be? And that could lead towards, for example, disruptive innovation or transformative innovation, what I call, which focuses on things like uh, new business models. So the engagement part is keys to provide a reasoning of why is it important to innovate? What is the value that employees can bring? Uh, And I have a a strong belief as well here, Taras, which is it's not only about new innovations, but it's also about innovators within an organization because they exist. So everyone has certain things that they can add in terms of value to the company. Yeah, so I hear, like you said, there is incremental innovation and disruptive. So, and like there are two types of innovators, um, people who contribute, right? And people who actually innovate, innovators. And so how, how to deal with these categories? I mean, how can we define in what case incremental innovation would be enough for the company or for engaged employees or Maybe we should build some environment for people who actually are innovators. This, this is a, a, a view which I've seen work in different companies where mm-hmm. we have contributors and we have innovators. I mean, the, the contributors a lot of times are, are those people that are continuously improving or supporting the continuous improvement in processes, for example, in, in, a, in a company. So this might be a very simple example from paper-based to a digital process understanding the workflow and where can we implement digital activities as part of that workflow. On the other side, in terms of contributors, a lot of people have ideas, uh, but uh, uh, many times there isn't really the right forum or focus on the type of ideas that are required. Mm. So we might call them, mm. let's say, strategic initiatives and then innovation initiatives, which are aligned, right? So contributors can then have that clear pathway of saying, here's my idea. Mm-hmm. What do I do with that idea? I know how it contributes. And then going through a, a given process, for example, to, to nurture the idea and, of course, to look at the feasibility, desirability, et cetera. Cool. cool. Uh, does particular contributor understand the rules? I mean, when to contribute? I mean, when it's expected from me as an employee and the company to contribute, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've seen uh, differences in, in this area as well. And, and what, what I've learned, actually, Terrace, here, I would say as well as, as a shared learning is when there is sponsorship at the highest level and everyone is, is um, what I call on the movement, right? So we can say, we would like to become a company which does X, Y, and Z. But how, what needs to be done? Who's behind that as a sponsorship? How are the people that are contributors and, in, uh, and the innovators actually rewarded or recognized? So on the one hand, it's about understanding the, what's in it for me from a people mm-hmm. point of view. Uh, and actually another lesson learned just slightly sidetracking here, which is you know, rewards and recognition. A lot of times recognition, for example, a, 
an email or a newsletter of some sort or on the internet that's recognizing the contribution of the person or a team is far more valuable to that person or that team than, for example, a, a financial reward. So you say that if you just send an email to the employee who sent an idea to Innovation Challenge and you just responded back, thank you for your idea, would that be enough? I mean, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, and, and actually, it's, it's this, this lesson learned in the past when we were implementing uh, ideas management platforms mm. uh, and, and studying this area, it, it was it's really an ecosystem of ideation management because mm-hmm. we need a whole communication stream, I would say, as well, because it's not only about the person that's submitted their idea. It's what happens mm-hmm. before. How do we have the stakeholder management? How do we have the transparency? Uh, and many times, as well, Taris, maybe you, you've uh, faced the same here. People submit their ideas and only those people that are successful get some kind of a response back. So what happens then is those people that have submitted ideas and, and hear nothing, they lose their motivation. So it's equally important to make sure that we communicate to the people that are moving the ideas forward with. And those that may not be successful this time around, then at least let them know and be transparent in terms of how the ideas maybe are, are evaluated. I completely agree. So this is one of the key principles in innovation management to motivate people for the ideas, for the great ideas, and for the not the great ideas, which are not going further in the challenge, but potentially the idea which is not going to run in the particular challenge may be applicable to other challenges, for example, exactly. for the, some private challenges. So for innovation manager, it's really important to understand the whole bunch of the challenges the company has. And actually, it's always happening that you've got to reroll the idea to other private challenge and make the user a participant of the private challenge, for example, you're working on within the corporate. So, and jumping back to motivation part and how to deal with cultures. So basically to understand when and how to motivate, we at Software also develop innovation maturity model, you know, where we understand what kind of maturity model we work with, and then we apply different techniques. So if this is like a unmanaged innovation, we understand it's really hard to start at least ideating at least somehow. If this is strategic innovation focus for the company, then we understand that we just need to help with some guidance, right? So it's really depends on the innovation maturity of the company to run all these techniques. Yeah, to answer it on the motivate people in, to contribute innovation management and what kind of reward you say, uh, would that be money reward or merch reward? What motivate most people at Konica? I, I would say uh, if the the person or team have the opportunity to actually move their idea forward into, even if it's, let's say, a, a prototype or, or some kind of, a, even to the extent of some f- basic funding or investment to try to bring that idea to life, mm-hmm. that type of recognition and not only by the separate team, but actually having them involved and giving them ownership. Uh, and you know, this, this uh, open trust and transparency, especially as we go into this digitalization age. Previously, of course, there, we had lots of hierarchies. So there's the management involvement, et cetera, approval. Yes, that's, there is a necessity of that. But the biggest reward is recognizing firstly the idea and the contribution of validating the idea that is going to contribute towards the, uh, the company's future success. But in terms of the reward itself, uh, it could be financial, yes. Uh, but for me personally, that's that should be at the bottom of the scale. The biggest way of saying uh, or, or rewarding the people is by saying that, yes, you, you have 
submitted this idea, you may sit within a different department of the organization, but now we can, we can invite you to be spending 10, 20% of their time to actually develop something as the idea and to move that forward. So that's one, one our second uh, example really of a, of a reward. I mean, yes, financial contributions do help, but uh, we can also be innovative in terms of how we recognize the contribution from the, the employees. Yeah, interesting, insightful actually. So one type of recognition, I mean, extra recognition is uh, like when you move an idea to validation stage. So this some, somehow motivates person. And the second part is providing the person to control how it goes, like 10, 20% of the person's time on the company. And yeah, but that's cool when it, the person is actually capable to launch or contribute. So, um, but what if this is rather incremental innovation and people might not be sufficient in terms of leading or driving or contributing? So they've got the idea. So they see yeah. there is a problem like in, I mean, uh, operator on gas station, you know, so I may have see the issues and how to overcome the issues from my gut feeling, but I'm not be able to lead the project for the improvement. How would you work yes. in that case? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, here is, is another way of, of looking at it where you know, education, right? So principle uh, or, or principally focused education around innovation. What are the, how do you innovate? Mm-hmm. How does a company innovate? So personally, education, the education element is really, really important here. So mm-hmm. even though the person or the team may not have the skills required, we can follow two, two pathways. One is the education part of this is how you innovate. These are some of the things that you may need to consider. Like, for example, we, you know, we strongly uh, use the, the business model canvas, a value proposition canvas, how to think about different digital models. So education is one part. The other part is actually implementing the education, right? So really mm-hmm. leaves up. Once you learn something, apply it. And the, to, to, to wrap that up, we have potentially like a, a mentorship. So where someone is an expert, there is always that person or a team to turn to for guidance. So it's, it's not promoting failure or encouraging failure. It's actually encouraging the, the balanced risk-taking and education, but also entrusting the team to say, you can learn about something, here's your idea, apply the skills that you know, and if you get stuck, then turn to another team that can help you. On the other hand as well, uh, Taras, we can also then add to that team uh, an expert that can maybe project manage the, the idea development or become mm-hmm. mentor to that team. Yeah, that's actually what I'm... Uh, meant so basically mm-hmm. you might have that team special dedicated team of innovation managers or innovation leaders who will take that idea and try to incubate for example right exactly exactly and and they try to, try to get the insight from and more details about rational that idea how it works what was the point maybe idea is too short and need more details so like originator person who created an idea so they can provide this context mm-hmm. and then innovation team can work on and apply all, all the resources because you know if we just say that everyone who is trained to run innovation could run ideas so that would avoid the ability to, for all employees to contribute but the goal of the global corporate innovation is to enable everyone to innovate right exactly exactly it is and what i've seen as well when a company has a vision of transformation from Um, well, let's say we can, uh, a product-centric company to a services-centric company, mm. it actually requires a whole paradigm shift in the way we approach wow. customer centricity. Oh. And one of the, you know, one of the essence that we tend to promote here is saying understand 
customer needs, you know, be driven by customer needs. Of course, apply the design thinking principles, et cetera, be empathy led, but really understand the customer. Ask, for example, the five whys, then we get to the root cause. So on the one hand, we've got the techniques, but try to focus on understanding where we would like to go as a direction and what it means in terms of the thought process, how we approach customer conversations, and we can be innovative in the way we approach customer conversations as well. Yeah, so customers is actually really great when they say what they want. <laughs> yes. But in case of disruptive innovation or transformative innovation, so you create a need which doesn't exist for now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you understand or how you identify um, the idea which will doesn't work, I mean, which doesn't work for now, but will potentially work in five years on the market? Are there some interesting insights on there? This is a this is a tough one uh, because uh, otherwise I know, side, you know, I know. it's a good question. Uh, I have a fun story I can reflect on, uh, which is around invention versus innovation. And uh, we we had a, a very well respected engineer in mm-hmm. uh, in the Minolta side of the, the company before the merger of Konica and Minolta back in 1982, and uh, his name is Uida San. And he was one of the first, well, actually, he was the first person to create a, what, they, what he called an extender stick, which then evolved into a selfie stick. So, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. a selfie stick, right? So of all things, so, so, um, what was the problem he was trying to solve? Actually, he himself was a customer in this instance where he was uh, holidaying with his family in Europe and his, uh, his camera was stolen. And mm. on the other side, he also wanted to have to make sure that the quality of the, pic- quality of the picture was sufficient, etc. that he met, its, it met his expectations. So he developed and prototyped a extender stick, and he was using that as a, with a mirror on, on the end of the camera. Uh, so filed a patent in 1983, but the patent, of course, expired after 10 years. We bought it. It was uh, what he refers to as a 3 a.m. invention, which means it came too early or it was developed too early. So when we're thinking you know, about this uh, disruption and uh, invention versus innovation, it's also really important to understand the differences. Yeah, it's a really interesting example. I mean, yeah, so not that insightful, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sometimes may happen or not. Exactly, yeah, but- exactly. So just coming back to your point there, Zaris, as well, you know, how do we uh, innovate or invent something which is an unidentified need of now, but we know that will come in the next few years. So as an example, we can, of course, study the the big topics that are impactful, like Mm -hmm. the the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals. We can take an understanding of what they are. We can look at megatrends. Where is society shifting? Globalization. Exactly, the trends, the the big bets, the big trends, the the globalization, the mobilization, the localization, Mm -hmm. you know, big topics like climate change, the pandemic. And then think, what happens if, uh, and you know, we've seen on the uh, recently in Europe only how impactful the, the the result of climate change has been in in countries that you would never imagine would be impacted. Mm. So, what does that mean? What type of new innovations could be considered in this area in the next few years? Yeah, completely makes sense. Quick practical question. So. Uh, what is the percentage of dedication for disruptive innovation you would suggest for the companies? What is the balance? I, I, would, I would put it as a 40, 40, 20. Mm-hmm. 40 for what? <laughs> because of the 20, uh, so, so 40% is more the, the here and now. 
like mm. the, the existing technologies that exist that, that are uh, on the market already how could they be merged with something else and repurposed mm. then we've got more the, the mid-term innovations so the here and now is maybe from now to next two years then we've got the two to four years cycle of what might be some of the upcoming technologies mm-hmm. or big trends like the, you know blockchain etc right so big data continuously becoming data driven mm-hmm. then the disruptive part is more what we could call them moonshots as it were so that's the 20% which may require a lot more research and development rather than for example where i sit within the business innovation center so if i look at this as a as a bridge from core business and r&d the r&d folks would typically look at more the mid-term to long-term innovations mm-hmm. where we are in the business innovation center it's more the short-term to mid-term so 40 40 20 is a, is quite a, a fine balance in terms of the the targets yeah completely agree When there is a sense to engage entire company and when it's enough just a working group for innovation challenges. I mean public versus private challenges for groups how mm. it works. So how do you plan the campaigns? I mean this campaign I mean today I'll run entire company like 70,000 people and tomorrow I'll run private challenge and how to how to plan correctly. Yeah, it's it, it, it. <laughs> This is also a very interesting question that I find as well especially at the at the company level so for example Conic Minolta is at mm-hmm. around just over 40 around 41,000 employees so it's a huge volume of people in many different countries around the world mm-hmm. to try and get a movement of ideas is it becomes very difficult because as an organization if we're looking at a strategic innovation approach where different segments of the company like for example Conic Minolta has the the business division mm-hmm. uh, the a core business division we have uh, it server growing it services division then we have mm. production printing healthcare so how do we innovate within those uh, those different divisions but at the corporation level of course it's important to strategize and innovate such that all of the all of the different divisions work hand in hand but then we come to regional variation so to have something as an entire company i would say it becomes very difficult and there's there's a very clear focus and that requires a fully committed team to manage the whole process as you say as well Terrace the campaign from start to, to start to finish speaking of campaigns actually what one of the lessons learned in the past is uh, I, I I met with the customer many years back and they said oh we've implemented this ideas management platform mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning it worked really well and after a while everything dropped off why do you mm-hmm. think that is so i asked them uh, you know when when i started work uh, we used to have kind of a, a post box in the in the room and if anyone had an idea they would simply write it on a postcard and put it into this 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 box and every now and again there would be someone that picks up all the cards and reviews the ideas some of them would be you know we need better coffee or we need more car parking space so it wasn't really focused so when i went back to the client i asked them you know, this is it an open ended box right meaning that people can write whatever they want whenever they want and they said yes it is so for that reason there's no motivation So it's really important to make sure that the campaigns have a start date and a very clearly defined end date and what is going to happen during that process before during and after. So coming back to your question around the entire company it's very difficult to have a global campaign on ideas unless it's very clearly managed whereas if we think about the the uh, local working groups it becomes a little more easier because we can identify for example the experts 
So who are maybe the product experts? You know, do we have the right type of skills in that team? And so that working group becomes innovation for me. It's more around the mindset as well. So people that bring different skills and substance to the team from different backgrounds. And the reason I say this is that unless it's an engineering type of challenge where we need you know, solid engineers that know one type of solution and or one type of skill to work on one specific problem, whereas a working group to bring different skill sets actually adds and contributes towards trying to resolve that challenge in, within a working group. Yeah, I completely agree. So I see the same issues mm -hmm. on my clients. And uh -huh. so the, when you create an open-ended challenge and just say, do it. I mean, everyone just jumping back. I remember idea was like, bring everyone with MacBook, <laughs> for example. Yeah. And yes. it's, you, you can imagine it just like a winning and the voting by company. So it's like everyone wants new MacBook. So that's, that's it's horrible. So working with client innovation, successful. So we're trying to identify some principles to how to control innovation, right? Mm -hmm. So we identify some templates, like important questions and mandatory questions. Once mm -hmm. you're providing the idea, everyone should be able to answer like five, 10 questions, give some potential metrics. So that actually motivates to work more a bit on the idea. The, the backside here, people may be afraid to post an idea, but again, so if you want to get a result and if you want to be super trained to run the global old company challenges, it should be really strict and focused, as you say. So yeah. Yeah. that's how it works. And for the private challenges, I mean, in what cases you can say, here are the private challenges for a new unit. Is it for, for every challenges or just for specific or when it can be working one? Yeah, I mean, the, the private challenges, uh, for, for example, where we sit within the, the Business Innovation Center, we have uh, different focus areas in terms of how we are innovating and what we're contributing towards. Mm. At the same time, the principle here, everything that we do needs to be connected to the corporation in terms of the corporate strategy of our direction, right, where we're heading. But what we also find is where the core business has very good relationships with customers, for example, it could become a, a, a better working group where we can be leveraging the relationship with existing customers, because the other thing is, I mean, this is not just only in our company, but in, I'm sure in many other companies, there is a lot more that's offered by the company than what the customer realizes. And often I would say, oh, I would hear, sorry, uh, that uh, okay, I didn't realize that Conicomalta does, for example, hyperspectral cameras or has one of the best color measurement solutions in the market or light measurement, because it's a surprise to the customer because it doesn't serve the need in that department, but may well do in a different department. Mm. So going back to the working group, it's really ensuring that if we have a type of idea, then of course we need to work with a customer and where there is a customer relationship that exists, that, that is actually a very strong point to be and uh, underline the customer centricity point. Mm -hmm. So basically when, so when you work on the prior challenges, it's most likely for the validation of the ideas. Some were right. selected before, it's helpful tool, for example, right? Exactly. And, and Key point here is ideas are basically cheap. And if you don't validate the ideas, I mean, if you're not doing making any effort to like make that idea work, trying to build a POC or prototype or how it should be running to get the next stage of budgeting. So that means it won't work anyhow. So just having a great idea is exactly. not enough, right? Definitely. So, Absolutely. Totally, so, totally agree. Yep. That's why you said like you're in the... Uh, half topic early, then once people engage with ideation only systems, people just provide ideas and what next? I mean, if you don't connect these ideas or challenges to portfolio landscape, if the portfolio is not aligned with strategy 
And if there are no team who can validate the ideas or best ideas, for example, for the company perspective, that whole thing doesn't make sense. Just kind of innovation theater. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I know I know you like this word. Neither innovation see it is kind of trying to do something, but no results yet, right? So and people just lose their motivation to contribute because they don't see something goes up to the market, goes up to production, and they don't see the value to contribute more on the further challenges. The, the, the innovation theater is a very I, I do also like that, uh, that that term because many, many companies have gone through this, uh, this performance of innovation and, and showing the theater part. Uh, and yes, whilst it's good to be showing what we might be doing, if it ultimately doesn't really lead to tangible outputs, yes, of course, not every innovation becomes a success. That's that's the whole point about experimenting. The key point that I exactly that I fully agree with you there as well is if you're not validating the ideas early stage, what is the point of that innovation? And you then take a huge risk. Right. We know in the past, you know, traditionally, R&D organizations are research and development. So they may research something for a number of years. They may develop something for a number of years. And then the product doesn't uh, doesn't fly, right? So it doesn't become successful. And you say, why is that? And almost always, it's because it has never been validated with an external company or client or a group mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, fully, fully agree. This iterative process of client engagement is essential early stage and throughout, actually. You're right. Yeah, I would add, add even more. So, so it's even validation is not just enough. I would I would add fast-paced validation process. So uh-huh. you got to validate really fast. So I mean, in the worst case, you may just start with validating an idea and will spend like two years or three years, and suddenly it doesn't work. So you spend three years, bunch of budget, right? And it seems not feasible or not desirable or. Uh, not capable to do this idea. So that's mm. the problem. So how do you control the pace? So I mean, what are the tricks? Maybe you have some, I know, fast vendors who develop in the products or prototypes or your team contains all the needed people who just doing this really, really fast. I mean, yeah. how do you deal with this fast-paced experimentation? It's uh, it's actually a lesson learned, really, that <laughs> we have to be fast. <laughs> uh, because if you're not there, someone else is definitely going to be there. You know, I, I have this uh, this quotation in mind that the moment uh, the moment you stop, you're left behind, and so you have to continue. And, and it, it's a good point that you make, actually, Terrace, which is the you know, ego. Ego is one of these things that some, not sometimes, actually, many times, comes in the way of moving forward in innovation, because it could be this uh, "I know it all" syndrome, and I, I'm an innovator. I've got many years of experience, etc. But on the contrary, the biggest thing we have to think about here is if we don't know the skills, so we don't have the skills in-house, have this open innovation approach, learn from experts and bring people from outside of the company that are able to, you know, these niche companies that have a focus on developing some kind of prototypes in a very short period of time. So if there is that capability to partner and building an ecosystem of partners to Mm -hmm. serve that need of development, definitely the right way to go. It may cost, yes. However, that cost will be outweighed in terms of the gain of speed and for sure that longer-term commitment and pain uh, that uh, it would take to try and resolve something in-house. Yeah, and how how normally you control the partners? I mean, imagine you've got five streams of innovation validation, so... 
is it like a one or two or just you got 20 validation streams so how you don't get mad about all this <laughs> messy stages yeah i mean with, with the partners it's really uh, incubation <laughs> incubation dependent mm -hmm. so as an example if you're working one type of topic where uh, we need a, a, a partner with expertise in a, a specific topic, right? Uh, then we work with them, but they may not necessarily be the right partner for another topic or another incubation idea. So managing this, actually, we, we, we try to keep it managed in a way that we don't overload, right, to, to work on too many incubations at any mm -hmm. one time. And actually, that's uh, you just reminded me, Terrence, that uh, at the beginning, when we set up the, the business innovation center, mm -hmm. it was a very interesting time because we were, you know, we were fresh to the company. We were empowered to experiment and work on lots of different ideas. Mm -hmm. But very soon we realized, yes, it's great to have fun and think of lots of ideas. But like you said as well, if they're not focused on delivering outcomes, then they are quite pointless. So a lesson learned was, Yes, have lots of ideas, but ensure that early stage you have a very clear idea on which ones you wish to follow through on to really incubate. If they're not working, stop. Don't be scared to stop, but stop early enough and not to carry on, in, like you said as well, uh, investing funds and resources unnecessarily. Hmm. Uh, is there a second chance? I mean, this is a really quick question. Is there a second chance for the idea which didn't pass the validation? Would you review it in one year or two years? I mean, there, is there any practice? Yeah. Uh, yeah, good question. There isn't a practice, I would say. The, the only practice would be to remember that there was an idea. <laughs> <laughs> because if you have a whole bucket right, of, of ideas, then it's, yeah, it, it can very easily get lost. Apart from the person, of course, people can move on as well. Uh, but that's the key thing, making sure that you have a, a good repository to research ideas that have been raised in the past. And it could be an ideation platform, for example. As well. Okay, so uh, if we're talking about the volume, and, and the next question would be how to deal with cross-culture, cross-geo when engaging an entire company? I mean, so what to consider before planning I mean, all these activities? Yeah, so the, the cross-cultural element, I'll answer slightly differently. And uh, it's, I'll, I'll give you an example, a real example of what we've created and developed quite successfully, I would say, within, mm -hmm. within Conic and as an intrapreneurship program to really promote the, the cross-cultural part of innovation. And so, so if I go back a few, a few years, it was uh, back in 2014, we, together with, uh, so we had a remit of what is the purpose of the Business Innovation Center? Number one is to create and, de and develop new products and services for the corporation. And number two is to kickstart the digital transformation through creating a culture of innovation. And, and it sounds very high level topic. So we, how do we, <laughs> we, yeah, very high level, right? So we said, okay, how do you, what kind of techniques and what kind of methods can we think about to operationalize this? Mm. So we said, all right, the current state at that time of the business was was quite local, so country-led. And so, you know, not many, many a times different countries were working with each other or, and at different levels. So we said, firstly, understand the cultural dynamic. What does it mean? You know, define culture for the organization. So we can, because a lot of times people think, oh, Konika Minolta, Japanese culture and Japanese people mm -hmm. in terms of our head, headquarters. But actually, we are a big family of, as I mentioned before, over 40,000 people. So when we think about the essence of a culture and then wrapping that around innovation for the entire company across different re regions and geographies, from the Business Innovation Center, so myself, right, together with the uh, one of my colleagues actually who came up with the initial idea 
from a, a European HR organization. So she she is still and was at that time also part of the European Human Resources team. And she was thinking about how do we how do we bring this culture of innovation to Quantic Minolta? And so we, we we collaborated and we established a what we call a technology innovation program, or better known as an entrepreneurship program, which looks at bringing together when physically we were able to uh, be together between around 50 to 60 people from across different countries and representations of, of different genders to ensure that they firstly uh, work together on real business challenges of which there were typically between four to six. So the business challenges are set by business leaders and then the teams come together, they, they do some norming and forming. Sometimes I guess they might think about storming, but that doesn't happen thankfully. And we, we think about for the teams themselves, on the one hand, we teach the, and educate around innovation methods and, and techniques. On the other side, many of the teams or people within the teams have never worked with different people from different geographies. Mm. So that's the one element and then the, the innovation part. What's really important is to make sure that there is stakeholder and management approval. So everyone who's part of this entrepreneurship program, it mm. lasts for six months, uh, typically from May until November. Mm-hmm. And this year, we kicked off in May, and uh, actually, in 2018, uh, we were we were re- we were rewarded uh, as uh, from our CEO with a, a, tr- a global transform award in recognition to promote the cross cultural collaboration uh, through innovation, and mm-hmm. especially between the HR organization and the Business Innovation Center. So where we are today, for example, we have six challenges. We started in May, and once again, we were very honoured to have our CEO with us at the kickoff. And we have six challenges. And this year, we've also become, as last year, fully a fully digital entrepreneurship program. So very different challenges. We have had to innovate. I'm, I'm one of the, the members who's managing that together with my colleague, Delphine. And over the period of six months, each of the teams are now working on developing, for example, prototypes or click dummies or minimal viable products. Yeah, that's cool. And, so like, yeah. when, when do you identify that, uh, that particular geo or com- country is actually already innovative. I mean, you say it's possible to say some of the regions could be more innovative, less innovative. How do you track actually? We, we, we don't track it by region. Actually, we, what we what we do is to work with the local HR teams that uh, the employees are nominated mm-hmm. by their managers uh, or the HR organization. Mm-hmm. So they need to, or they can actually nominate themselves. So this year we have people from across Europe and uh, it's a it's a really it's a great way of observing how people interact and the different dynamism in there as well. The, the one additional thing as well, Terrace, um, I just wanted to mention is that the the participants managers formally agree to uh, to uh, allow the the, um, the employees to mm-hmm. spend between ten to twenty percent of their time formally for six months. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Is it enough? I mean, all these ideas, all this validation for the company, or you had some examples where you got to tap outside the company for the ideas, I mean, run the open innovation techniques. Yeah, uh, very good point as well. Uh, typically, I, I try to make sure that the the blend of the challenges, sometimes internally focused and mm-hmm. externally focused, right? So so making sure that, for example, if, if uh, one of the teams this year is uh, trying to find the uh, a challenge to solve, what we've said is, yes, we can look at internal process improvement or actually try to find 
an external company or client. And a key differentiation here is maybe maybe you come up with a, a team comes up with a hypothesis and they say, mm. oh, we need to now validate this with a client. And a, a client or a customer doesn't have to be an existing client or customer. They could be a future client or customer. But actually, it's a group of experts, right? So if there's a topic around, oh, I mean, I'll just be abstract and broad, climate change. There are many, many experts around climate change. So if we don't have the cap- capability in-house, then try to knock on their door, learn from them, understand the pain points, and maybe then address those pain points by coming up with innovative solutions. Okay, so fair would be said that most of the ideas and innovation goes in-house. And I mean, primary goal here is to write, enable the campaigns and equip with all the knowledge, education, all this stuff. And only in some cases, that potentially can tap outside and try it. I mean, try some extra activities, but these are rather rather minor than major, right? It, it's a, actually, it's, it's a mix. Cool discussion. I mean, thank that's you. really, really helpful. So thank you, Milan, for all our discussion. I mean, that was a really great pleasure for you and for me probably to, to talk about the innovation activities and innovation management in general. So really interesting discussion. A lot of insights from Konica Minolta. I mean, I'm just like uh, keeping my paper, writing down some insights because it's really interesting because, I, you know, as an innovation manager, I also got some hypotheses and also testing them. Mm-hmm. And definitely that's useful for the companies to take some uh, advising and run their innovation. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Teres. I'm, I'm sure we could spend the rest of the afternoon and evening <laughs> right. speaking about innovation. <laughs> yeah, but so it's, a, it's a great honor, honor and pleasure for me to, uh, to be invited. So thank you once again, Teres and, and the whole team. Thank you, Milan. Okay. See you next time. Yeah, look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.